Welcome back to another episode of Filmmaker's Cookbook, the podcast where two friends sit around and talk about food and movies, the two most important things. We turn your favorite films, or in this case, AFI's favorite films, into recipes, helping you expand your cinematic diets. This show is hosted, as always, by myself, Michelangelo White, and me, Charles. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the 1951 adventure film directed by John Huston, The African Queen, starring Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn. The movie is set in East Africa during World War I and follows the story of Charlie Alnut, a gruff and hard-drinking boat captain, and Rose Sayer, a prim and proper missionary. After their village is attacked by German troops, Charlie and Rose set out down a treacherous river in Charlie's beat-up boat, the African Queen, with the goal of torpedoing a German warship that is blocking their passage. Along the way, the two characters engage in battle of wills and gradually fall in love, while also facing a variety of dangers and obstacles, including rapids, crocodiles, and German shoulders. I always had a problem with soldiers as a kid. I would always say shoulders. Anyways, and German, okay. and German soldiers. Despite the odds against them, Charlie and Rose persevere and ultimately succeed in their mission, proving that even the most unlikely heroes can make a difference. Charlie Alvarez, lazy, gin-swilling, no better than he should be. And Rosie, straight-laced Rosie Sayers, who learns about life, all about it. Well, I ain't sorry no more, you crazy, sound-thinking, skinny old maid. Two people thrown together against their wills Get out. In a stirring and pulse-pounding story known in fact or fiction. Waiting for the supper, miss. I'm the captain, that's who. And I ain't taking you along. You'd only be in my way. I suppose I was in your way going down the rapids. Then what you said to me back there on the river was a lie about how you never could have done it alone and how, how you'd lost your heart and everything. You liar. <laughs> So let's jump into it then. Let's really get into this movie. And I'll say this, that this movie, The African Queen, is a movie that I have never watched before. And I will say this just right off the bat, that I'm kind of glad I never watched this film. And I'm kind of also, this is the first film that I think I'm questioning AFI's sense of judging because i was like why is this film number 17 on their list interesting i i was actually quite glad i watched this film i i i found it surprised me i was expecting one thing and then like i found myself enjoying it and more engaged than i would have guessed and then really it just it was but, terrible like okay wait sorry i just wanted to go on a little <laughs> tangent here. like it was just so cringy and like problematic and yes that like, that is true it, racist it, and, <laughs> oh man like the first the first scene of like the two british missionaries in africa trying to teach them christian songs and being like oh we're these two prim and proper british people and we're you know here on the order of the queen to to teach these savage natives how to be proper christian people like oh my gosh and then the whole movie's kind of setting up that this other british guy who was out here for money and 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 other gains is like this kind of weird bad guy, but he's so much more relatable and nicer than these, oh, we're these British people who 
have come here to save these poor African people from their savage ways. Humphrey Bogart's character? Yes. Yeah, um, he, he's Canadian in this. I thought he was English because I, I thought there were scenes where they say like, oh, are you forsaking the queen or something like that? Or like, are you going against your country? Well, Canada uh, at this time would have been a territory, I guess, of like British Columbia. Then I guess... Okay, I guess that's true. Britain, the country that the sun never sets on, right? Yep. I don't know. There's like all these things of British superiority. It felt kind of like white man's burden in in Africa. Yeah, definitely, definitely exoticized African people in a really unhelpful way. And then like totally gets rid of them after like the first 20 minutes. You never see another black character. Right? It's like, oh man. Uh, No, you do see them. You see them like shooting at them later. Oh they, yeah, the, yeah. They, the Germans take them, take hire them. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely has problematic tendencies that were emblematic of that era of filmmaking. And it's so religious too. That was so annoying. Sorry. Yeah, religious in a way that's just oh, you know, let's sing about God and let's <laughs> let's pray to God and we'll be fine. I don't know. I just I didn't mind like the going back to knock at the cabin that we watched that recently i didn't mind that religious undertones but when it's like this in your face and it's telling you like oh you're a bad person because you don't read the bible and you don't sing all the religious songs you don't know everything about religion about specifically christianity and the church then you're a bad person i just really it just grinds my gears yeah i agree but I think for me, because all of that was mostly kept to like the first 20 minutes of the movie, and then the rest of the movie is where it's sort of won me over. Not in that like this movie is redeemable for like its racist elements and its its awful elements like that. But but okay, sorry, but those religious elements carry through the entire film, though. Maybe because they set it up that she's like this really religious person that throughout the film, she's like, I don't want you to sleep in this side of the, the ship as me. She's like, oh, I'm going to go swim in the and clean myself in the river, right? And she's like wearing an entire dress while she's doing it. And then he's like, don't look at me because I'm, you know, I'm naked, right? I was like, oh, this is going to, like, she's going to be coming out of this this boat, like, in a, just like her underwear. Mm-hmm. Which, like, she's wearing an entire dress. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, just, there's all these elements of it that I was just like got maybe so thrown out from the first 20 minutes that everything after that I was just only catching those little elements of it still that I didn't enjoy the film at all even mm. to like the end like I don't know anyway so tell me what you tell me why you like this movie Charles well I think for me some of those elements like the undercoat petticoat dress thing I was able to kind of just place them in the time period <laughs> Like this, this movie is like set in like 1930 or something. World War One, so it'd be like 1915, like the 1919 kind of like that area, right? So yeah, so most of that I was okay with in terms of like that's just part of the setting and part of these characters, and I didn't feel like the movie was like overly setting them up as like this is like like this is how you're supposed to live to be this like religious prim and proper person because it kind of subverts that throughout the movie. I thought, at least I felt, and like I felt like it judges that character for being kind of ridiculous at times. Like like there was that scene where like she kicks him out and forces him to sit in the rain, and then she like has a a realization like oh he's he's just trying to get out of the rain maybe i don't maybe i can like compromise my christian values here and let him let this man i'm not married to sleep next to me just so he's not freezing in the rain so i felt like there were like times where it was actually questioning itself for me at least but 
most of that I just I didn't even really care about. Like I agree with you, like it was annoying from like a modern perspective. But the parts of the movie that interested me was like, oh my god, this is like really the first action adventure movie. And like they had all of the parts that you see in every action adventure movie that we've seen since this movie like the movies like the mummy movies like star wars movies like what was that movie that just came out like two years ago with uh dwayne the rock johnson where it's literally like a riverboat ride it's the same exact fucking movie yeah it's literally the same yeah, yeah yeah that movie jungle cruise it's the same exact movie and i'm like oh my gosh this movie literally started all of these tropes of like the the like strong-willed female character meeting this like brash man who's like in his element in the wild and they like you know meet each other and like they kind of take some elements of each other and learn from each other and grow into better people and then they have a romantic subplot and there's a you know it's a they have to go they have some quest that they have to go on where they have to go through all these like treacherous little trials and tribulations and you know in this case it was the uh river that has you know rapids and crocodiles and whatever animals yeah yeah and um in you know star wars it's it's han solo and princess leia and they have to go fly through space on the millennium falcon which actually this this is a side note but it made me wonder if george lucas got the name for millennium falcon from humphrey bogart being in the maltese falcon (laughs) i never thought about that before Mm, and maybe it makes me wonder because it's so clear that the Humphrey Bogart character in this movie is the obvious inspiration for the character Han Solo. Mm, I think I it, like the mummy reference. I feel like the mummy is it's it seems like they even have us like a steamboat scene in the movie for the the first mummy movie. The mummy character is also exactly the same. Uh, yeah, I can it, see that. But like Han Solo, literally, like he has his ship that he repairs and he like. It, it's like this beat up old crap ship, but it's actually really great and really in Han Solo's hands. It, it you know, flies better than even the best of the Imperial ships. And it's all kind of beat up and he like, you know, kicks it and does all those things. It's like, it's so clear to me that Han Solo is just this Charlie Allnut character, a redux of that. And so I, I just like, that was what I was responding to throughout watching this movie is I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing, nothing is original. And... <laughs> And everything is just based off of something else. And I thought it made me appreciate not only those films, but this film for that reason is, is this kind of kicked off a sort of cinematic language for a whole genre. I guess. But again, I just, now, now that you just mentioned that, I kind of see it. I didn't actually think about that when I was watching it. But even now that you said that, it's even makes it worse now. Cause I'm like, dang, I kind of, I love all those movies, but I didn't, <laughs> I hated this movie. It's just like, I'm kind of just sad that this movie is the one that inspired all those other movies. But even like, even all those other movies have kind of the same problem, right? Where they exoticize whatever land they're in. Like Mummy's a great example of taking kind of ancient Egyptian culture and contemporary for that time Islamic culture and like uh, for the time period that the movie was set in. And really exoticizing it, making it seem kind of foolish and out there. Like all of the Egyptian characters in that movie are awful. (laughs) Mm. Actually, I will give it to you that 
Actually, it's been a long time since I've watched the Mummy movies. But yeah, I, 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 I do love remember the, the broad movies, strokes. I, I do really like him too. I watched him all the time as a kid. So I kind of maybe we should go back and watch it. Maybe we can do a film cookbook on it. On it. Let's do it. There's okay. only one Egyptian character. Well, there's, there's a couple. There's two Egyptian characters that aren't like either villains or uh, like maliciously inept is the only way I can think to put it. And that's the librarian character who was the female lead's like father figure. And then the female lead is half Egyptian. So she's, even though she's played by just a full white actress, she's in, in character in the canon of the movie, she's half Egyptian. So she also not horrible, (laughs) but yeah, most of the other Egyptian characters are like, they're trying to kill Jack or they're trying to sell something or they're trying to steal something, or they're literally the ancient Egyptian mummy that's trying to kill everyone. (laughs) That's true. I I kind of forget all the characters at the season of the movie, but so but I don't okay. know. I, I just, I, I kind of, I dug this movie. Like I, I thought it was um, better than I was expecting. I think it's kind of, it, it's sort of uh, maybe also as far as its sins goes, one of the beginning movies where the movie isn't about anything other than the thrilling ride. Like there's no real like thematic discussion happening here. It's just literally a roller coaster ride, more or less. And so I thought that was interesting too. Okay, I mean, I see it. I definitely see the 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 core elements of a traditional or like a textbook adventure movie. But yeah, I kind of don't have anything else to say about this film. Actually, I kind of got it all out my rant. So um, I like the actors. Oh, what are their names? Uh, Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn are both, you know, excellent in this. I, I think I, I realize I don't like Catherine Hepburn either in this. Really. Movie. I think just like also her face. Sorry, this is me like a random thing, but it's just like I don't like that face. So <laughs> you just don't like the look of her face, or you don't like her acting. Her, I mean, her acting is fine, and Humphrey Bogart was great. But I think just like Catherine Hepburn's how she looks. Oh my just gosh, not, just not a. <laughs> okay, well that's fine. I wasn't really thinking about how she how she looks sorry sorry (laughs) but i think you know yeah i i I think she's really great in my opinion at being really engaged in the scene like yeah i I think think her face is very it's a very severe face i agree with you but i think because it's so severe it actually is able to broadcast emotions even very subtle emotions very largely so like any movement on her face at all registers an emotion which i think is what makes it really compelling on film actually for me at least Mm -hmm. well the only other things i would say that actually speaking of those two characters was i in my research i saw that both humphrey bogart and katherine hepburn they were kind of you know butting heads on set especially with like uh bogart kept starting to like improvise lines and just kind of throw off the scene and doing his own thing and like she would kind of be caught off guard and like get upset at him for for kind of doing that in the end they be, they are still friends they, supposedly they says that after the movie you know they're to the end of their life they've they've are they both dead i'm guessing they're both dead i think they've both been dead for a while you know to the end of their life they have remained 
you know, lifelong friends. But during the film, they kind of had this, they're like butting heads a lot. Nice. But, it kind of know, fits their character too. I guess it does. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, you can maybe see it. And also, you know, Bogart did good and he also won the the Oscar. Really? For best actor. I'm not sure this felt like a Oscar winning performance for me, but. And I would agree. I like. I don't think it. anything in this film. Yeah. I, I don't know what else was up for oscars that year but i don't know if this film for me felt like an oscar winning performance but that might be colored by the fact that this was the first of its kind in that era and so that's okay so maybe that's why it won oscars mm, possibly but i actually had two interesting notes um, okay for things that i think potentially people making action adventure movies nowadays could learn from the first thing was at the beginning when the brother dies they did that so much better than i think most modern movies kill off characters most modern movies kill off characters like off screen or before the movie starts and it's just a part of the backstory of the main character in this movie we got to meet the brother and we saw him like suffer for a significant amount of time like 10 minutes of the film before dying and then we have that whole like kind of sequence about how they have to bury the brother before you know the maggots come and uh i felt like that was so much stronger of a character introduction for the female for uh catherine hepburn's character rosaire for the female lead as opposed to what we would normally get is just like the action hero comes out of nowhere and then the female character is saved by the action character and they bond over the fact that one of them has a sad story or they both have a sad sob story in their past. You know, this way we got to like feel the sob story and then we felt that journey more. Uh, So I appreciated that. And then the other thing that I really appreciated was the solution to create the torpedo out of the African queen felt really interesting and fun and, you know, kind of genuinely clever, like how they created the compression mechanism out of some wood blocks and some bullets that set off the bomb i thought that was all like kind of genius and most of the time in these movies the action adventure hero just wins because magic or something and i feel like those are so boring this was not boring this was like actually clever although it did kind of subvert its own self by having (laughs) having it deus ex machina the ship comes out of nowhere and it's just floating yeah (laughs) so it it didn't quite fully work out but i thought it was a clever a clever solution up to the point where the the boat just like saves them randomly but you know the cleverness of the and the believability of that solution to the problem is what i want future screenwriters to take and kind of figure out how they can be clever within the the limitations of the world they've set up as opposed to just solving it with a deus ex machina or a a magic made it possible or you know force ghosts <laughs> yeah exactly and i actually do agree with you going back to what you said about the, the intro scene i actually kind of that was maybe one of my the best aspects of the film for me was that the brother dying and thinking like oh this is an interesting like character growth in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. to set to kind of set things rolling but yeah other than that i kind of not a big fan of it but do you want to jump into flavors because i kind of have a i think a funny dish that i wanted sure i like let's do it flavors okay Now jumping into the flavors of this dish, let's really quickly go over the our scientific flavor uh, dictionary here. 
So we got surprise being spicy, happy as sweet, sad as salty, fear as bitter, disgust as sour, anger as umami. So going off the bat, I don't really know, to be honest with you, my dish for this movie is going to be something that you're going to probably push back on. (laughs) And um, I kind of thought of a dish that, you know, it has some like happy, some sweetness in it, some sad, some fear, some anger, right? I think it's kind of some of the main flavors for me. And I kind of thought like, you know, it might be appropriate because it's like a 1920s, like early 19 early 20th century kind of time period movie right Mm -hmm. so you know early in like the 1920s they loved to jellify everything (laughs) okay right sure i think this might be like the jellification of a good thing like like maybe like a really nice steak that has just been solidified in a big piece of jello oh my gosh interesting i mean i'm like, into it <laughs> oh really okay i thought you're gonna be like i mean i don't think it, it's right for this movie but i'm into the idea <laughs> okay because i think like honestly i actually changed it last second and i put the nice tasty thing inside the jello um because <laughs> because you said that this movie kind of has set up a lot of these movies that i really like so i thought like maybe there's like a little bit of a core element that kind of set up this this genre or this you know archetype of storytelling that is really good i think the story itself is kind of problematic and i didn't like it at all but you know i think like jellified something just doesn't sound appetizing doesn't look good it looks old and problematic and not problematic necessarily but like you know a product of its time right and i think this movie is a product of its time and you know a jellified something would kind of represent this i thought pretty well but in terms of flavor i don't really know i never really eaten anything that has been jellified other than just jello yeah Um, because jelly is it doesn't really have a flavor right like you can pump it full of sugar and then it would be sugary and sweet what i from what i what i know the jello does have sugar in it which is why it was kind of so popular back in the 1920s because it was a way that families could preserve their leftovers in a way that you know, they could jellify it and it could kind of keep them lasting longer. And also, um, that's horrifying. They can add sweetness to it, I guess, in a way. I don't know why they would want to do that, but it also would, because the jello had sweetener, sugar in it, they didn't have to add sugar to food. They can just use the jello mix itself and kind of save a trip to buy sugar. So oh. there's like some, some elements there. And now, this, for me, I would hate to be living in that time period because I think I would hate to eat jellified foods um you know i think just like looking at pictures of just like a jelly cake of just layers of different meats and vegetables just feels i i'm a texture eater so i think just like the feeling of that texture uh just feels like you can already feel it i'm looking at pictures right now (laughs) this like like glob of jelly with chicken just floating in it (laughs) it's horrifying Yep. No. Yeah. Right. This is a. Uh, this is not something I would be into. Yeah. Apparently, there's like a lot of Polish meat jellies. Very popular in Poland. Dang, my people. I know. Ruined food. <laughs> they just look horrifying too. Yeah. No. Not my thing. Um, okay. So you pitch pitch me something, and the, okay, I'll say the other idea I had was possibly a like a a pot pie or something like that yeah i had an idea of like a a beef stew with 
with like sweet potatoes, something like that. That was one idea I had. Uh, but the second idea I had that I thought was pretty genius is okay. a spicy African peanut soup. Mm, okay. Because it's like you get all these like spicy elements that kind of reflect the like different surprises that happen along the movie. And then you get these like creamy sweet elements from the peanut butter flavor uh, that kind of match the like happy, you know, and umami flavors that happen throughout the movie and then you get the saltiness from it all as well so like i thought i thought that like matched the flavor profile like pretty perfectly do you think is that sounds too delicious <laughs> yeah i i guess I, I i guess we differ on this because like i i like the movie more than you all right all right maybe, I'll, I'll... maybe it's a jellified spicy maybe. african peanut soup <laughs> Okay, yeah. I will say that there's maybe we have two versions of this. The one the one for the people who like the film, which is just a nice traditional African peanut soup. And then the my version of this, which is that same soup, but that has been jellified. <laughs> I love it. It's so bizarre. It's so surreal. Then, you know, you can make it either way, depending on how you uh how you like the film. But I'm just imagining know. like a bowl of African peanut soup just suspended in in jelly. Yeah, right. Perfect. Mm, with yeah. the spoon, like with the spoon and the bowl yeah. inside the jelly. So you have to like exactly. dig into the jelly to get the spoon to start eating. Yeah. Just to make it like extra difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh but and I think that the thing is that, you know, if we just jellify it, then in a way that the flavor is kind of still there, except it's just gross and disgusting. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I think is like, you know, it has that flavor that I can kind of, I still see and understand the flavor that's going on. And my jello idea doesn't really match that. So I think your idea of this, these different flavors kind of coming out there, especially like the surprise, that spiciness element to it as well, it kind of definitely, I can see more in your dish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in mine, it just combining it perfectly, you know, just making it jello and just making it disgusting just making it terrible and making it dated i guess in a way yeah yeah i also like the idea of soup because it kind of matches the like water element of this movie the liquid element and then i i I could see in the soup you have like little crocodile crackers and then like maybe like a sailboat (laughs) cracker or something like or i don't know maybe like a you carve a, a potato into a sailboat and a british cracker and then yeah yeah just kidding I like it. Um, yeah, you could put two little cracker people on the the potato sailboat. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just floating around, trying not to get eaten by. Or the or the bowl might be like a uh, a little boat. The bowl could be a little boat. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I like the idea of of this like African safari soup. Yeah. So the what would what would we call this? The you're gonna be nuts peanut soup about this dish so i'm gonna mispronounce this but i think the dish you're you're describing is called maf mafe i'm not sure could be it's m-a-a-f-e it's very similar i think the thing i was looking at is just called african peanut soup but it's pretty similar mm-hmm. so like a more soupy yeah it's basically kind of thing yeah the the, the mafe seems more like a curry stew kind of thing uh with like large chunks of meat and then the peanut soup the is just more of like a soup with uh, peanuts in it. Gotcha. Okay. So the African... African queen, queen soup. soup. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a good name for this one. Um, 
because I feel like I agree with you that the movie's protagonists are colonizers and don't deserve to be, you know, represented in the food necessarily. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I want to find the original, like, the African name for this dish and then be like, that's this the name of this dish to kind of like actually try to do something right. You know, try to keep the, the tradition of a more traditional African dish. We could go in the direction of the mafe. I think it has most of the same flavors. Sure, that could work. So the the mafe, let me see if I can find a pronunciation. I think when I looked it up, it said mafe. Mafe. Cool. So it's kind of like a stew, kind of like a, a gumbo, maybe possibly, you know, like a stew with um, with rice. So um, maybe like the African Queen's mafe. Sure. That sounds that sounds better. Cool. And, you know, like, again, because of this movie, it is a um, jealous, jealous version of it. <laughs> but then there's also that traditional good yummy version that is actually a good mafe. Uh, a little spicy, a little, you know salty umami all those like nice flavors that represent this movie all bundled up in that nice warm stew i guess i love it such a fun dish and such a fun i mean i guess you didn't really like the movie but i liked it from a film history standpoint more than i like i don't think i'll ever rewatch this movie Mm -hmm. um but it's and i don't think it's even the best example of an action adventure movie i really like my favorite action adventure movie is probably the mummy like i just i love the mummy Um, yeah it's a great one and uh so i think it's been done better but i just found it so interesting that that this is where it kind of all stemmed from this was the seed that birthed an entire genre and i felt like that made it made it kind of worth being on this list of like maybe from afi's perspective maybe it's not the greatest film but it's like the hundred most influential films you know yeah like in a film history sense i can definitely see the importance of this movie but i think that you know i'd rather just replace this film and put the mummy in in the top 17 of afi's list you know i agree like a movie that has like taken this formula and mastered it in a way and is less problematic even though it's a little problematic like we discussed but like less problematic version of it you know that would be maybe better we should we should try and find the best version of every genre like what's the perfect film in every genre well i think that's interesting about this year is that we're going through these top 20 films and i feel like each one so far has been like the the forefather, the father, grandfather the of that genre. So I think maybe we can the next year or something like that, we can go in and do a deep dive into these different genres and see other movies that which one has mastered those those things. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. I like it. I guess that should be it for this episode then. Awesome. All right. Well, if you enjoyed um, or didn't enjoy this movie like I did, then hopefully at least you enjoyed the dish we came up with and um it actually sounds yeah, maybe... delicious this african peanut soup i'm thinking it, it about does, making actually. it yeah i actually i agree with you there just not the jello vibe version <laughs> not the, yes uh, exactly but uh yeah i mean tell us what you think and uh let us know what you think of this movie and uh yeah follow us on instagram and at twitter at film cookbook and as always that's a wrap on this film the queen's Nope. What is the movie called again? African Queen. The African Queen. And that is a wrap on the African Queen. Till next time, guys. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye, everyone.